Chapter 16 Okay, I see him, Duval said, pointing up Camarillo Street. He's the one on the bicycle. Are you sure? Dahl asked. I know what you look like, even wearing a bicycle helmet, Duval said. Trust me. Now, remember not to freak him out, Dahl said. He had on a baseball cap he had bought, and was holding a copy of the day's Los Angeles Times in his hand. The two of them were standing in front of the condominium complex Brian Abnett lived in. You're telling me not to freak him out, she said. You're the one who's his clone. I don't want him freaking out until he sees me, Dahl said. Don't worry, I'm good with men, Duval said. Now go stand over there and try not to look... She paused. Try not to look what? asked Dahl. Try not to look so clony, Duval said. At least, not for a couple more minutes. Dahl grinned, stepped back, and raised his newspaper. Hey, Dahl heard Duval say a minute later. He peeked over the top of the newspaper, just enough to see her walk up to Brian Abnett, who was getting off his bike and unlatching his helmet. Hey, Abnett said, and then took another look at her. Wait, don't tell me, he said, smiling. We've worked together. Maybe, Duval said coyly. Recently, Abnett said. Maybe, Duval said again. That hemorrhoid cream commercial, Abnett said. No, Duval said flatly. Wait, Abnett said, pointing. Chronicles of the Intrepid! A few months ago, you and I did that scene together where we were being chased by killer robots. Tell me I'm right. It's very close to what I remember, Duval said. Thank you, Abnett said. I hate it when I forget people I've worked with. You're still doing work with them, right? I think I've seen you around the set since then. You could say so, Duval said. What about you? I've got a small character arc on the show, Abnett said. It's only been a few shots through the season, and of course they're killing off my character a couple episodes from now. But until then, it's nice work. He motioned at the condominium building. It means I get to stay here through the year, anyway. So, they're going to kill you off? Duval asked. You sure about that? That's what the agent tells me, Abnett said. She says they're still writing the episode, but it's pretty much a done deal. Which is fine, since she wants to put me up for a couple of film roles, and staying on Intrepid will just get in the way of that. Sad about the character, though, Duval said. Well, that's science fiction television for you, though, Abnett said. Someone's got to be the red shirt. The what? Duval said. The red shirt, Abnett said. You know, in the original Star Trek, they always had Kirk and Bones and Spock and then some poor dude in a red shirt who got vaporized before the first commercial. The moral of the story was not to wear a red shirt or go on away missions when you're the only one whose name isn't on the opening credits. Ah... Duval said. You never watched Star Trek? Abnett asked, smiling. It was a little before my time, Duval said. So, what brings you to my neighborhood? Uh, Abnett said. Maya, Duval said. Maya, Abnett repeated. You aren't looking at the condo that's for sale in the building, are you? I probably shouldn't say this, but I think you might want to look at other places. The last guy in that condo, I'm pretty sure, was making meth in the bathtub. It's a miracle the entire building didn't go up. Oh, I won't be staying for very long, Duval said. Actually, I came looking for you. Really, Abnett said, with an expression that flickered between being flattered that an attractive woman came looking for him and worry that the woman, who might be crazy, knew where he lived. Duval read the flicker of expression perfectly. I'm not stalking you, she assured Abnett. Okay, that's a relief, Abnett said. Duval motioned with her head toward Dahl, still semi-obscured by the hat and newspaper. In fact, 
My friend over there is a big fan of yours, and he just wanted to meet you for a second, if that's okay. It would really make his day. Yeah, okay, sure, Abnett said, still looking at Duval. What's your friend's name? Andy Dahl, Duval said. Really? Abnett said. That's so weird. That's actually the name of my character on Chronicles of the Intrepid. That's why he wants to meet you, Duval said. And it's not the only thing we share in common, Dahl said. He walked up to Abnett, took off the cap, and dropped the times. Hello, Brian. I'm you, in red shirt form. I'm still having trouble with this, Abnett said. He was sitting in the best western suite with the crew members of the Intrepid. I mean, really, really, really having trouble with this. You think you're having trouble, Hester said. Think about us. At least you're not fictional. Do you know how unreal this is? Abnett said. We've been living with this for a while now, yes, Dahl said. So you understand why I'm freaking out about it, Abnett said. We could do another freckle check if you like, Dahl said, referring to the moment, shortly after he introduced himself, where Abnett checked every visible freckle, mole, and blemish on both of them to confirm that they matched exactly. No, I've just got to sit with this, Abnett said. Hester looked over to Dahl, quickly to Abnett, and then back to Dahl, conveying the message, the other you is a flake with his expression. Dahl shrugged. Actors were actors. You know what convinces me that you might be telling the truth, Abnett said. The fact you're sitting in a room with an exact copy of yourself, Hester said. No, Abnett said. Well, yes, that. But what's really helping me wrap my head around the idea you're telling the truth is him. Abnett pointed at Kerensky. Me? Kerensky said, surprised. Why me? Because the real Mark Corey wouldn't be caught dead in a best western, attempting to prank an extra whose name he can't be bothered to remember, Abnett said. No offense, but the other you is a complete asshole. So's this one, Hester said. Hey, Kerensky said. Having another me around is hard to swallow, Abnett said, and pointed to Kerensky again. But another one of him? That's actually easier to accept. You believe us, then, Duval said. I don't know if I believe you, Abnett said. What I do know is that this is very definitely the strangest damn thing that's ever happened to me, and I want to find out what happens next. So you'll help us, Dahl said. I want to help you, but I don't know if I can help you, Abnett said. Look, I'm just an extra. They allow me onto the set for work, but it's not like I can bring anyone else in with me. I get a few lines with the regular cast, but otherwise we're told not to bother them, and I don't talk to the showrunners or other producers at all. I couldn't get you in to see any of them if I wanted to, and even if I did, I don't think any of them would believe you. This is Hollywood. We make things up for a living. And the story you're telling is completely nuts. If I tell it to anyone, they'll just throw me off the set. That might keep you from getting killed a couple of episodes from now, Hansen said to Dahl. Abnett shook his head. No, they'll just recast the part with someone who looks enough like me to work, he said. You'll still be killed off, unless you stay here. Dahl shook his head. We expire in five days. Expire? Abnett asked. It's complicated, Dahl said. It involves Adams. Five days is not a lot of time, Abnett said, especially if you want to kill a show. Tell us something we don't know, Hester said. Maybe you can't help us directly, Duval said. But do you know someone who could? Even as an extra... You know the people who work high up the food chain. That's what I'm telling you, Abnett said. I don't. 
I don't know anyone on the show who could move you up the ladder. His gaze rested on Kerensky, and he suddenly cocked his head. But you know what? Maybe I know someone outside the show who could help you. Why are you looking at me like that? Kerensky asked, unsettled by Abnett's gaze. Are those the only clothes you have? Abnett asked. I wasn't given the option of packing, Kerensky said. Why? What's wrong with the uniform? There's nothing wrong with the uniform if you're at Comic-Con, but it's not going to work for the club I'm thinking of, Abnett said. Which club? Dahl asked. What's Comic-Con? Kerensky asked. The Vine Club, Abnett said. One of those very secret clubs mere mortals can't get into? I can't get into it. But Mark Corey rates. Barely. Barely, Dahl said. That means he has first floor access, but not second floor, and definitely not basement, Abnett said. For second floor, you have to be the star of your own show, not part of the supporting cast. For the basement, you have to make $20 million a film and get a slice of the gross. I still want to know what Comic-Con is, Kerensky said. Later, Kerensky, Hester said. Jesus. He turned to Abnett. So, what? We get Kerensky to pose as Mark Corey and get into the club? What does that do? Abnett shook his head. He doesn't pose as Corey. You have him go into the club and do to him what Andy here did to me. Draw him out and get him interested and maybe he will help you. I wouldn't tell him you want to kill the show, since that means he'd be out of a regular job. But otherwise, maybe you can get him to introduce you to Charles Paulson. He's the show's creator and executive producer. He's the one you have to talk to. He's the one you have to convince. So, you can get us into this club, Dahl said. I can't, Abnett said. Like I said, I don't rate. But... I have a friend who's a bartender there, and I got him a commercial gig last summer, kept him from going into foreclosure, so he owes me big. He can get you in. He looked at them all, and then pointed at Kerensky. Well, get him in. He pointed at Duval next. And maybe her, too. You keep your friend from losing his house, and he lets two people into a club, and these are equal favors, Hester said. Welcome to Hollywood, Abnett said. We'll take it, Dahl said, and thank you, Brian. Happy to help, Brian said. I mean, I've sort of become attached to you, seeing that you're actually real and all. I'm glad to hear that, Dahl said. Can I ask you a question, Abnett said. Sure, Dahl said. The future, Abnett said. Is it really like it is on the show? The future really is like it is on the show, Dahl said. But I don't know if it's really the future. But this is your past, Abnett said. We're part of your past. The year 2012, I mean. 2012 is in our past, but not this 2012, Dahl said. There's no chronicles of the intrepid television show in our past. It doesn't exist in our timeline. So that means I might not exist in your timeline, Abnett said. Maybe not, Dahl said. So you're the only part of me there, Abnett said. The only part of me that's ever existed there. I guess that's possible, Dahl said. Just like you're the only part of me that's ever existed here. Doesn't that mess with you? Abnett asked. Knowing that you exist and don't exist and are real and aren't all at the same time? Yes, and I have training dealing with deep existential questions, Dahl said. The way I'm dealing with it right now is this. I don't care whether I really exist or don't, whether I'm real or fictional. What I want right now is to be the person who decides my own fate. That's something I can work on. It's what I'm working on now. I think you might be smarter than me, Abnett said, 
That's okay, Dahl said. I think you're better looking than me. Abnett smiled. I'll take that, he said. And speaking of which, it's time to take you folks clothes shopping. Those uniforms work in the future, but here and now, they get you branded as geeks who don't get out of the basement enough. Do you have money? We have $93,000, Hanson said. Minus $78 for lunch. I think we can work with that, Abnett said. <laughs>